Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. And I have to tell you, people, I went to the uh, Kings Parade yesterday. And, well, I went two years ago because I'm a big hockey fan. And two years ago, I took the subway with my buddy. We just jumped on, went down to 7th and Central, got off, watched the parade, got back on. This year, I took the lovely Joanne with me, and she... Because growing up in Philadelphia, you know, we haven't had many parades. So she hasn't been to a sports parade. So it was amazing. They should have just called the subway the bandwagon. Because the people who went, I, we, first of all, the North Hollywood train station hardly ever gets busy. There was such a long line. We waited probably 20 minutes to get our tickets to get on the subway. And now they have what they call a pass. You have to put a card on and all this stuff. Anyway, we get on. We're waiting. It's getting packed. It's getting packed. You can tell these people know nothing about hockey. They just bought a shirt. And then next thing you know, we hear an announcement. They said the lines are too long. Everybody can go on free. So all of a sudden, there's a barrage of people coming down the steps. We're sitting there. I mean, our we basically were telling people, don't let anyone on. Don't let anyone on. So they all got in for free. We stayed in line. The parade was fun. I had a great time. I noticed, though, I, I bought my bootleg shirt for $10. It's great. And the best thing is, though, they were selling those ghetto dogs. If people don't know, don't live in L.A., ghetto dogs are the bacon-wrapped hot dogs with the onions and the peppers. And they were great. I didn't get one. But what's funny is their marketing point was all meat. Not like at Dodger City when it says all beef hot dog. This was just all meat. So I don't know what's in the other hot dogs. Anyway... Talking about cooking, we we have a great show. My guest today is Richard Karn. How you doing, Richard? All meat. Oh, yes. Isn't that weird, though? It said... It, 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 well, it didn't say what kind of meat. Right. I'm, I know it's like, it, it could be uh, anything. You, you read The Jungle. Yeah. So, you know, it could be toes. It could be all sorts of things. <laughs> now, are you a hot dog guy? Do you like hot dogs? I love hot dogs. So do I know. But you know what I found out that I like even more than hot dogs? Is a good bun. Okay, yeah, well, buns, well, see, I, growing up back east, it was all, like, they say, like, hoagies and subs. It's I don't all, want a hard, crunchy bun. Right. I, I'd like a soft, you know, steamed bun. I was just talking about that. In Burbank, there's two sandwich places called Santoro's and Giamella's. And the weird thing about them is, the sandwiches are different. Like, a sub back east at hoagie, we call them. You get, you know, lettuce, tomato, onion. Here, all of them, both places, they have chopped up pickle, onion, and tomato, and that's it. But GMLs, the bread's really crunchy, and it's like, that doesn't make a good sandwich. I, exactly. You know, it, it. there are a lot of things that make a good sandwich, and that is one of the big the big ones for me. Now, for hot dog, do you ever put ketchup on it? I don't. Good, thank you. I think I think that's sacrilege. If someone puts ketchup, I go, if my girlfriend put on ketchup on her hot dog, I would break up with her. I put mustard and relish. Okay. I put onions and mustard. If there's onions there, but, you know, then I read something that if you leave onions out, they, they attract all sorts of weird things. Uh, for some reason, onions um, spoil quick or something. You know, I don't know. I, I'm, for me, I'll be honest, and uh, it, it's just too much with everything going bad. I mean, we're older. We drank water out of the hose. We never got I never got Our sick. immune systems are so good. <laughs> They're actually telling kids not to take medicines right now, you know, because you got to build up your immune system. It's crazy. I mean, it's nuts. And so, well, you're from Washington. Well, first of all, I met Richard. We did a, a celebrity cooking competition last week. Which, yeah, how weird was that? And, and you won. I, my team won, but, yeah, but I, I felt like I whisked very well. Well, I was upset because you had two. We only had me. It was what? my cook and me, and that was it. Where was your Where was your other guy? They didn't. They never scheduled anyone. Ah, uh, well, so, I had a wrestler. I know <laughs> that's crazy. A chef and me. And so, what, now, are you? A, do you cook a lot at home? Or I don't it? cook a lot, but I, I can. You know, when I when I get uh, insp inspired, you know, I'll go out on the grill and I'll cook uh, things on the grill, and I make a really good shrimp salad. I uh, make a great uh, um, barbecued corn. Oh, corn is underrated. Corn Barbecued corn is great. Do you put a little mayo on it? No. Um, we baste a little butter 
and sprinkle chili con limon on it. That's so good. Yeah. It's hard to find chili con limon. See, I use I have to, I have to watch my sodium, so I have all these. But I, have, I don't know if there's not a lot of salt well, in that. Well, I get I get all these Mrs. Dash, and there's like the Fiesta lime, and I do the same thing. I put butter on it and do the Fiesta lime. Okay, I'll you know I'll find you something. I'll, I'm gonna have to find out for you. A friend of mine owns a company. It's called PicoDeGallo.net. It's these shakers, and they have a chili con limon. They have like yeah. he has like ten different. Well, there are different ones, you know, and and they they make a big difference. It does make a difference. I'll have to, I'll have to mail it one to you. I'll find out. I'll get it. I'm, I'm, I'll get him to mail you a whole package of all his seasons if you want. <laughs> he does. That. I'll go. Just I'll go. I'll, I won't put a name on it because I don't want him showing up at your door. But anyway, I want to talk about. I, I was following. I was looking over you. You grew up in Washington. Yes. Now it said, and you know, Wikipedia and IMDb sometimes you don't can, can't trust. But it said your first play. You were, were in fifth grade. Yeah. Uh, was it? Yes, fifth grade. I I did a. Um. It was like, I don't know who wrote it. Maybe the teacher, uh, but it was a play, um, during Thanksgiving about this boy who has this huge Thanksgiving dinner and then is on trial against all the food he ate. Okay. See, that would work a lot better now because people are always bitching about the food. Yeah, and and I, I felt very creative because I made a turkey leg out of a brown paper bag. That's good. Though. And it looked good, and I could, you know, I could hold it. It was a prop. I had no idea what props were back then, but uh, I was, you know, in string... Instantly, you know, I had something to hold on to. Well, what gravitated you to try out for the play? Did you watch TV as a kid and say, "I want to, I want to do that"? Or I mean, because fifth grade is pretty young, you know, to sit there and audition for a play. Well, you know, you know what's funny? My dad was a builder, okay, contractor up in Seattle with his dad, and he would bring me home comedy albums like Flip Wilson, The Smothers Brothers, Bill Cosby. Uh, and he would bring these these comedy albums home to me, and I, for the longest time, I never thought that that was weird or, or or anything like that. But you know, as I got older, I went, well, that's kind of an interesting thing for a father. You know, he didn't bring me music, he didn't bring me those kinds. Of, he brought me comedy albums, and I think that helped. That you know, a sense of humor and. Also, growing up in Seattle, we had like six local kids shows okay. that all had kind of weird senses of humor. You know, we had J.P. Patches and Brakeman Bill and Captain Puget, all these things that were kind of molding our young ids and egos. So you watch that and then you get into the play. Now, a lot of people I talk to, when they say acting, I did stand-up for a long time, and once you do it, you, you're pulled into it. Yeah, and that's a totally different discipline. You know, you're writing your material and rewriting and honing it, and that's a very different thing than showing up as an actor and doing the lines on the, the script. But did you catch the bug in fifth grade after that? Were you like, this is what I'm going to do? Or did you sit there and go, eh, I, I held a turkey out of a bag. I'll, just, I'll do something else. Or Well, I remember being very, you know, out of my comfort zone in, in, for a fifth grader, um, learning the lines. So there I was, you know, at my grandparents over the weekend, and I was working on my lines. I can remember that distinctly. I can also remember standing off stage, knowing that I'm going to go, I'm going to walk on in a few seconds, and thinking to myself, I could just walk away. I can just, I can just turn around and walk away. And what are they going to do? And then I walked on stage. And then after that, you had a great show. I think so. I think I think we had a great show. I didn't really do a, a you know, I did some in junior high, but. It was a high school where I really kind of, you know, um, made the leap in, into doing 
doing theater. Now, you went to the University of Washington. Yes, I did. Now, was were you a theater major, or what was your major? I was a theater major. Okay, now that- I had to audition to get in. See, I've, I've heard they have a very, they have a very good uh, theater department. They, yeah, Temple. Um, they were a league of schools at okay. that point. There were 10 schools in the league, Temple being one of them, um, SMU, Carnegie Mellon, Juilliard, Harvard, Yale. There were 10 schools. Washington was one of them. And it really was help when we graduated because we had auditions for agents and managers and casting people as as the seniors leaving that that kind of was a nice kind of segue into the real business. So you graduated. I did. And you went to New York. Right away. I so Seattle's did, a theater town. Okay, now did you why, why did you sit there? Did you sit there and go, "Okay, I have to be in New York?" Cuz I mean, a lot of times you hear people who graduate college and they they'll, they'll as you, especially since you said Seattle's a theater town, people tend to stay around a little bit. Like there was like my guest last week, Brian. And I don't know why I didn't because there was some really good theater going on in Seattle, but I I didn't feel um I didn't feel a part of it for for whatever reason. It was something that I went to and I appreciated, and I knew the actors that were doing a lot of different things. But it it felt like all of my contacts that I had made were in New York. You know, we had a director that year that was head of uh, the theater communication group TCG in New York, and and uh, I had other friends from the years before that were in New York. So I felt like. You know, let's just make this jump. It didn't seem like a big thing at the time until I came back a year later for Christmas. Okay, so and, that, that, well, why was that such? A feel, why did it feel so different? It, all of a sudden, Seattle was a smaller town in my head now. Well, I think it's anything. If you go to a big city, I mean, for like me growing up near Philadelphia, you, you always had the idea of the cities, and the cities were there. But for some people, if you're because Seattle's a big city, but I don't think it's not a top ten. I don't think like in market wise, so it's not. You know, it's up there. And they have the football teams and all that, but yeah. it's it's. I think, of course, when you go back, when you come back from New York, I mean, it must just, especially if you're in the, if you're in theater, it's quite a difference when you go back. It's a it, it was a big difference, and I didn't expect that. Yeah, you know, because I, I, I guess I didn't think about it. But you know, living in New York and then coming back home was a you know it was a big epiphany it's just kind of wow this is my this is my hometown and it feels smaller right now when you were in new york you were doing a lot of auditioning were you, were you going for theater were you going off broadway what was your what was your idea when you went to new york what you were going to do well because of the league schools i had an agent when i moved to new york which is you know not everybody that's very good I'd not say. everybody has that opportunity um, but but actors coming out of schools um do in a, in a way, at least when I was. And so I had a very good agency. I had um, guys that saw my audition and said, okay, you're good, and, and this is the kind of things we're going to send you out for. So all of a sudden, I am up against uh, Tim Curry in Amadeus. Right, okay. Uh, and I am, I am up for one of the first replacement casts of Saturday Night Live. Kind of out of my depth. I mean, I could have done it, but I wasn't really ready to show that. I, I, I had no idea what to show SNL. You know, I walked in there with a couple of comedy monologues and failed miserably because I hadn't done stand-up or I hadn't done um, improv and, and those kind of things where they had pulled them out of Second City and Groundlings and things like that. So I go in and, you know, there's Lauren Michaels sitting in his chair with a switchblade cleaning his nails. And 
you know, there was all sorts of things I look back on that I could have used and been funny or shown some characters, but I, I didn't know how to present that. Now, I know it's as I read more about you, you know, you also you went over to Edinburgh Festival in Scotland. Yeah. Now, uh, while I was in school. OK, while you're in school. So what made you did you have to audition for that, too? Or you just said, I'm going over there. <laughs> I think that was something that my parents, uh, they they, they might have felt guilty because when I was in high school, there was a little thing in the paper. NYU is coming to Seattle for auditions. So I auditioned and I got accepted to NYU. And I thought, Wow. This is great. I'm going to New York to study theater in at, you know, New York University. And I present this to my parents and they go, you're kidding me, right? You know, it was going to cost $5,000 a year, which at the time was like something astronomical that isn't, we couldn't have done. Isn't it amazing? I just saw something on Facebook. The college I went to was a small school in New Jersey. A credit was like $32.50. Exactly. And then I saw this guy put for, for housing for a year, for housing for like from, it was like, Seven hundred and fifty dollars. It was like one hundred and ten dollars a month, and then I'm sitting there going, I, I don't. It was like I'm looking now. It's like the school now costs like twenty something thousand. It's still a state school, right? It's a. I love it. It's a great school. Well, but that was what my crazy. parents said. You know, it's like we, you can go to the University of Washington for seventy eight dollars a right. quarter. You know, and we can't afford five thousand dollars to send you to NYU, let alone you know food, uh, food and board, and you know. So oh, okay, but uh, you know, in a wonderful karma way Washington turned out to be like one of the top three schools while I was there I mean it was it was on par with Juilliard and Yale and Washington the people that were coming out of there were all really good and the and the teachers were good so in a way it was it was the best of all worlds I got to stay home kind of mature a little bit more get very good training and then go to New York so now when you're in New York what well, you said you went to Scotland when you were in college. I went to Scotland when I was in college, which was, I, I think, a kind of a mea culpa from my parents. That you know, they they said, oh, you know what, um, this is something that you auditioned for and you got accepted into an exchange program for the summer in London and Edinburgh Festival and that kind of stuff. We're going to pay for that, and they did. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't tremendously expensive, but it was it was a little more money than than they were comfortable with, and they gave me that experience. And that was the first time I had left town, you know, as a young adult. And I didn't have that feeling coming back to Seattle after being in London and Edinburgh of Seattle being a small town. It wasn't until I went to New York that I had that feeling. Now, when you're in New York, where you, you were going, you said you were auditioning against all these big names, and you know, you said it fell a little out of your depth. Did you start getting work in New York? Did you get commercials? or were you I got a up? commercial my first week. Now, now, see, that's always cracks up. First of all, people who are listening, you're probably going, wait a second. <laughs> he moved to New York with an agent, and he booked a commercial his first week. I know. It's it's really scary. I didn't book another thing for six months. Okay, but how? what, what commercial was it? It was um, a Michelob beer commercial. Okay. For the weekends were made for Michelob. It was a big campaign at that time. Okay. It ran the first... Uh, uh, the first commercial for the 1980 Super Bowl. So it was a national. So that was that was big. That was before they started making that a big deal, but it was still kind of a big deal. Just nobody knew about it. So you did that. You got the commercial. So yeah. you must have sat there and said, oh, yeah, this acting stuff, it's easy. Oh, How hard oh, is yeah. this? <laughs> you know, and then you see other people going, well, I would never do commercials. I wouldn't, you know, lower myself to doing commercials. I said, are you kidding me? Do you know how I made more than my high school teacher did? Right. That's what everyone doesn't get. Like some people say about the commercials, but I mean, especially now, I mean, we, just think what Flo's making. I mean, it must be, it, <laughs> I mean, it must be astronomical. Yeah. I mean, I saw something. Now, can she parlay that into, you know, a character? Right that will become something else. Well, I, I saw there's a lady who does uh, this uh, 
probably middle-aged African-American lady. She does one of those uh, furniture polish commercials. I can't think what it is. Mm-hmm. But she's making like $3 million a year. And I'm like, you know what? She probably doesn't have to parlay it into anything because the commercial's been on for five years. She invests. She's set. I mean, I know it, it gets... Well, you never know how much people are going to make. Right, you exactly. Know, they, you, could, you could say, I'm going to do it for this lump sum of money all up front and not get residuals, or I'm going to do it just for residuals. It's, uh, you know, the amount of money that actually gets paid out there is... You know, it's, it's, you never know for exactly. sure. Exactly. So now when you joined Screen Actors Guild, you had to change your name, right? I changed it in a way. Karn is my middle name. And Wilson, was, Wilson's your last name. Wilson is my last See, name. I think, I think for an actor, I think Richard Karn is much more catchy than Richard Wilson. I felt like that. I, you know, it, it felt, uh, you know, kind of dynamic in my head. And Karn is, is really my grandmother's maiden name. It was my dad's m- middle name, and now it's my son's middle name. So... Uh, and there was a Richard Wilson who I just finally saw who Richard Wilson is. Dude, was he, is he a He was on a show called Merlin. Merlin, Merlin. And he's kind of an older English actor. He was playing, you know, one of the wizards or something. Well, there you go. Yeah, so See I that? finally saw my, my name out there. Now, how long did you stay in New York? 11 years. Okay, now were you getting theater productions or were you working a lot or did you have to get other jobs as you were doing it or what did you have to do? All of that. Okay. You know, I got jobbed out of New York a lot. You know, I'd go off and do Actors Theater Louisville or the Players Theater in Columbus or, you know, different things around the country. But then there was off-Broadway, there was uh, a Broadway stint in a show called Me and My Girl where I played um, a suit of armor. You play. How, how does one play? You just were in armor the whole time. Not everybody can play a suit of armor. <laughs> yeah, if you itch, you can't move. I guess I auditioned <laughs> for this role, by the way, which was you know the the show kind of originated here in in California and then moved to New York, and I think they used a stage manager for the suit of armor here in in L.A. Was it Equity? Um, it was Equity. <laughs> That's. But it was a it was a modified Equity contract, so okay. I didn't get a full Equity contract. I got like half. Or whatever, but it was still it was a great job. I'd show up forty five minutes later. I was done. That's you can't complain about that. But I always got a laugh, and not everybody that played that role got a laugh. I was okay. able to uh, suspend the animation of of uh, of a suit of armor falling over for a split second. So longer. you fell. You just you didn't you didn't just stand there. You actually did more than. But you had to fall and then catch yourself. Okay, that must be hard because it was and heavy. If you, and if you catch yourself too soon, then it, then it doesn't look like you're falling. Okay. So there's, you know, there is a method there. Was it heavy? No, it wasn't heavy uh, for whatever reason. Um, I'm trying to think. One night it was heavy was when I stayed up all night because of a sickness that my wife had. Okay. And I was up all night and I went and did the show and I was kind of woozy. And that was the only time I fell, caught myself and kept falling. Okay. And you actually fell on the ground? And I like slid to the front of the... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> of the stage, um, but my wife had had a, uh, um, uh, a uh, what's it called? Um, not a brain tumor. Uh, aneurysm. An aneurysm. She had an aneurysm in her head, and it didn't burst. But we went to the we went to the hospital, and I was up all night signing signing things that you know this test could cause a stroke. Okay. You know, and this is after a year of being married. See, you know, saddled with all this, you know, kind of heavy life kind of uh, decisions. And I went to work that next day, and that's kind of what happened. I, w- I wasn't quite prepared. But I, but I could imagine. There's a lot on your mind. She's okay now, by the way. I, I saw because I saw some. Yes. She, uh, How long have you been married? Uh, we are coming up on 29 years. Congratulations. 
Yeah, we met doing a play. Especially in this town. I mean, you know, you hear Hollywood, and people don't get that, but it's true. Well, anyone now, it's like, I I went to my high school reunion. I'm divorced. I always say, if, if anyone I know is over 40 and they've never been married, divorced, or had a DUI, there's something wrong with them. <laughs> they haven't lived life. They, you know, I'd say because everyone I know, they're they, too. <laughs> like my friends who haven't got married. Oh, I got a DUI, and then my friend. Then there's some people who have been married, divorced, and I got a DUI ten years ago, twelve years ago. So I've done all three. But um, I always sit there. I go, when, if you're over forty, you should have had at least one of them because I always you always worry when you meet someone who's like forty five, who's like never been married or never even been engaged. Like you know, I mean, yeah. I know some guys like ten years, and I'm like, okay, you've had like a girlfriend for like three months tops and you don't date a lot it's like you must be a dick <laughs> something's wrong with you because everyone gets in those relationships like well this. dating's weird. weird now yeah I, I mean it's it is i mean i met my i think yeah I, you wouldn't know i hope <laughs> I, yeah, I'm doing I mean, it. it's but like i'm eking that information from my son you know because uh, any information that that could be detrimental to you as far as a previous relationship can be found on the internet. It's crazy. Because back then, like, guys could hide. I have a friend who's been divorced three times, and and it's like, you could hide that. But now, and with social media, you can't, because everyone knows. It's like, oh, someone can just pop up going, oh, Right. I went out with that guy. He's a jerk. Before so you, you have to get over it, but you know there, there's a process also. So there's all all of a sudden baggage is a lot heavier. Now you said you met your wife in a play. Was she an actress also? Yes. Okay. And now you guys met in New York. We met in New York, um, uh, doing this play called The Other Shore, directed by Walter Bobby. Okay. Years, years, years later, this was Walter's first kind of directing out of transitioning from an actor. Um, he won the Tony for the revival of Chicago. Okay. And then got, went on to do lots of other uh, shows in New York and, and around. But um, Walter always feels like he cast us as as husband and wife also. So that's kind of cool. But, yeah, we we did that play. We, we've actually worked together like four or five times. Okay. Now, I know... She was. She suggested you move to, New, uh, to L.A. Or what made you move to L.A.? Because as I said, it says here. It says with a his wife convinced. It, okay, this, this is what it says. I know you don't read your Wikipedia. Cause <laughs> no one does. It's in on ni- Wikipedia. In 1989, his wife Trudy convinced Karn that they should move to Los Angeles. He found a place for them to live by managing an apartment complex and catered events at a Jewish synagogue on the side. That's what it says about you. Well, you know that's kind of all true. I, <laughs> no, I, just, I was of, doing a play. I was doing. Um, what was I doing? I, I think I was doing The Foreigner uh, in Columbus, Ohio. And the last couple of years, we were kind of maybe apart four or five or six months out of the year doing different things, different shows in different cities. And she was like, you know what? Well, I want to start a family. We got to be together to do that. Yeah, you know, and I think we should move to Los Angeles. And she, you know, her a lot of her background had been musical theater. Okay. And I, I wasn't going to make that suggestion that she move away from New York. Yeah, because there's not. Yeah, I mean, that's for someone in musical theater. That's a big. It's a big move. So, I, you know, it, I left that decision up to her, and I said, Yeah, you know what? Uh, I think it's time. Well, I, we've been in New York for. I've been there eleven years, and she'd been there fourteen. And I thought, well, let's let's try California. We we know a lot of people there now because they've moved from New York to California, and in the business and 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 all that kind of stuff. So when we did make that move, um, it it was her decision, and it it was it was interesting because now all of a sudden we're in a car 
we're not walking down the street a lot. Right. You know, so you're not running into friends and people. You actually, you kind of have to make play dates. It's so true. It's because, you know, if you, like for me, I, because I walk, when I go out in Burbank or whatever, I walk. I mean, just because it's a few blocks, the downtown uh-huh. area, and you know, it's, and you just, you run into people or you run into people in the mall. Yeah. But he, but if, if you're new to this town, you're basically, you're right, you're driving around because it's so spread out. I mean, you know, I mean, just look at, you know, like we're in the valley, we're considered the valley, but right. it's like, you know, Hollywood's 10 miles away, but then that 10 miles can take 45 minutes and just, you're in your car a lot. So it's just, it must have been, now where, where was your first place you lived when you came out here? We, um, we had a friend who had, who had bought a house actually over in West Hollywood. So we kind of, uh, they had a guest house that we were able to use and, and stay in, which was, you know, which, which was kind of nice. It was, it was one of Tootie's childhood friends. And so we were there for a couple of months. And then we, from that point, we went off and looked for an apartment and we found an apartment, you know, a couple blocks away. Okay. So you lived on, on, on that side. We, yeah. We lived in West Hollywood. So when you came out, you know, now did you have did you have an agent out here? Did your agent call agents out here? I didn't really an have an agent at that point. You know, I had gone I had gone through um, having an agent in New York, and then stuff would wouldn't happen, and then I I didn't have an agent. Then I got another agent or a commercial agent, and and it kind of ebbed and flowed. And by the time we were moving to California, we we kind of had a New York agency that had a office here. But they weren't sure whether they were going to use us because, yeah, you know, the, the standard line for agents is we already have a lot of your type. Right. You know, so when we moved out here, we didn't have agents. We were we were still kind of finding things on our own. So it's sort of like you were starting over. I mean, to get all the years in New York and the thing starting that- over, but you know, a lot smarter. We, we had a lot of friends that were in the business, and and we just we knew how to go about it um, more. Uh, precisely. So now you get out here, you're auditioning. Are you, are you booking anything? Um, oh gosh, uh, let's see. I mean, I, I, your IMDb said there was a few gigs, but it was, there, yeah. there were, um, and it actually was from college friends who had started theaters. Okay. So I did a, I did a show at Gorky's. Do you remember the restaurant Gorky's on Coenga? No, I, I've been out here 12 years. I don't know. Okay. Well, there was a, there was a restaurant with a room in the back and we did, we did a play that, the LA Times, you know, liked, and then I did an uh, another play. I did Shakespeare's Scottish play, and that's when I got Home Improvement. Okay, so off that play. Well, I was doing that play at the time. Okay. the The woman who played Lady M, uh, her husband, was the comedy liaison to ABC, which I had no idea what that meant. And I, and that wasn't really kind of in our conversations or anything like that because I wasn't looking at uh, that hard at television, but it just worked out that he was one of those guys there, you know, in the mix. So you met him. I met him. I had done a job, you know, years ago with the producers of Home Improvement. Eventually, the Home Improvement um, in Indiana, in New Harmony, Indiana. I worked with them uh, on a little playwrights conference. So I kept in touch with them, found, you know, when I came out, they were doing Carol and Company, which was a, a, another skit show with Carol Burnett. And I, they, I, I called them up and they said, oh, yeah, we have a little role for you this week. Uh, why don't you come in and do that? And I did. And I, you know, I had a couple of lines and I got to take a curtain call with Carol Burnett, which, which is was awesome. Very yeah. cool. And uh, I, so I knew those guys. So when I found out about the audition, 
I could call them. I didn't feel that that was out of place or that if that, if that was the, a wrong thing to do. I felt very comfortable with these guys because we were friends first. Right. And I said, hey, you know, um, I hear you guys are doing this new show. And they go, yeah. And we thought about you, but there's nothing for you. There's there's no roles for you. There's a neighbor who you're not going to see his face. And we've uh, hired this really great guy. Who was it? Who played that guy? Um, the neighbor. Oh, uh, uh, uh Oh my god! It just it the, just flew out of my mind. But, um, uh, I don't worry about. It. We'll look it. I'll look it up. Is it uh, so? So so that was you, no. But that really you know that really bothers me that I've I've come to the age where oh, you know things aren't at my fingertips. Uh, I forget. I, I'm. I just turned fifty. I I can remember stuff from years and years ago. I forget stuff. Like the other day, I'm like, did I? Did I take my? Last night I was looking. I was going to go meet my friends to watch some of the World Cup game. I'd come back from the parade. I was just sitting there. Completely sober. It wasn't like I was out drinking. I, I might forget. And I took two my shoes. I put them in two different places. I could not. I forgot where I put my one shoe. I'm looking around, and my girlfriend's like, "It's under the chair. Yeah. How can you not see that?" And I'm uh, like, "Well, there's one here." So, <laughs> Earl Heinemann. Okay. <laughs> it just had to filter back down. So, so they said there was no role for you. There, there was no role for me. There was an assistant to Tim, but we've 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 hired. Um, I don't know if you know this actor. His name is Stephen Topolowski. He was on the show a few weeks ago. He's much taller than you. Yeah, he's an... older than Tim. We wanted that kind of diversity in the two characters, and you, we felt, were too much like Tim. That you know, I was I was very similar in their minds to what Tim was, but uh, they let me come in and meet the casting director. So I walked in and I got to meet Deborah Borilsky, who's this, you know, this wonderful woman who, who was casting the show. And I already knew the Matt, David and Carmen, who were the producers. And then the director was John Pasquin, who I'd been a reader for, you know, 10 years before in New York. OK. In, in, in a weird kind of way. So I knew everybody in the room except the casting director felt very comfortable and made them laugh, you know, uh, reading a scene that they probably had heard 500 times. Right. And they they said, thank you very much for coming in and yada, yada, yada. And uh, like a few weeks later, Carmen calls me and go and says, "Hey, Rick, uh, you still got that beard? Yeah, we're we need somebody to uh, play Tim's assistant because um, Stephen got a movie and he can't do the pilot. We still want him for the show, but we we thought you know you'd you know you're a nice guy and we we don't mind having you come in and play this you know stand in for this role. So originally, the pilot was going to air. It was just going to be you. You were just going to be in a pilot. Yeah, I was just a guest star. Okay. And so, or not even a guest star. I was just, I was just, you know, a extra in a way. But I mean, it should have made you a little bit happy because you're like, oh, at least I'm getting on the. Very year. happy. All of a sudden, I'm doing a TV right. pilot. You know, that was huge in my mind. You know, it, it's a credit. And at that point, I'm still thinking about credits. Not, I'm not thinking about the actual work or you know how great it's going to be to work with this person or that person. I'm thinking, well, this is another credit that will lead to something else. So you get cast in the pilot, and it's so funny when when that show was coming on. I remember I was doing I was working at a comedy club in Philadelphia. A so you before, knew Tim. Well, I, I he worked at the club, and we, he, we all just had that feeling, like it was this was probably we all knew like it was about to blow up for him, like because he was so funny, and I mean he would just pack the house, and he is funny, and his act was so funny. But him was he was just so dirty, but <laughs> but but you, you but you weren't offended. It was no. weird, and these, I mean. Because I mean, we used to work at this, the big club in Philadelphia, and we'd get a stage time, and we would see all the big headliners come in. But he, for not being someone, just before he got, I, mean, I think it was just when the show was starting up. But he had like this devout following, and like yeah. people were like, doing, like, like people from Philadelphia who never saw him on the road, and it just came on. Well, he had that uh, Showtime. 
You know, okay. men are, the Men Are Pigs tour. Yeah, okay. And that's what we knew things were about to blow up, but yeah. we didn't know that big. So for you, you got cast in the show. Did you Had you known of Tim's work? No. Okay. I didn't know who he was. Um, I, I watched the Men Are Pigs Showtime thing, and I went, oh, this guy's funny. Um, and Tim was very nervous in, in a way, uh, which I, I hadn't... Um, seen before when when I would go and work everybody's pretty much you know comfortable in what they're doing and, and, and this and that but Tim was a stand-up who was transitioning into being an actor and so you know he had a lot of deflective humor going on about oh I'm not really an actor I'm you know I'll do this but I you know and he he was ter- <laughs> he was terrified of, of of you know all the actors he was going to have to work off off of right because it's a different it's not yeah. it's like not when these guys come from second city who are used to that this is it's like you're used to you being on stage and the most you work off of someone is when someone heckles yeah. you but and and i was like the perfect guy to do that you know for him i i was like you know lobbing him grapefruits to hit out of the uh, you know I, I would set him up and set him up and you know i would get my own little things which were mostly nonverbal because they were underwriting this character because he wasn't going to be around. So it, it was all about, you know, who this guy was as an assistant. So you do the pilot. As, uh-huh. the, as you're in the pilot, and, and then they don't know if the show's going to get picked up anyway. They were so excited about this show because it hit, it, it hit a really sweet spot with advertisers. You know, it was the beginning of the home improvement, um, right. you know, explosion. So... It was family friendly. It was funny. It was home improvement, you know, products and things like that. So the show really did well. It it, it premiered at number nine so, and never went out of the top ten. So what happened between the pilot and you ending up on the show? Because, I mean, that's that's something that, you know. Well, the pilot I mean, was was done in, in April. Okay. And they didn't start rehearsals if they got picked up they wouldn't start rehearsals for the first episode until uh, august or end of july so there was april may june i you know i went off and did my regular world being a caterer or you know whatever auditioning and things like that and then i, I got a phone call from him and said you know uh, steven's still doing that movie and uh, we really need you for the first maybe one or two episodes okay and I'm thinking, great, how great is this? Because the whole time I'm doing the pilot, I'm just watching all these guys work. Everybody's having a great time. And I'm thinking, this is so much fun. This is so much different than doing a play. And and it's, you, you actually have to be a little more, because um, they were changing lines. You know, when you do a play, you don't change lines. You don't say, you know, I think Shakespeare, this is okay, but what if I said it like this? I think the joke would be better. You know, you don't, you don't do that. You, you know, you the, the script is king. Now, all of a sudden, yeah, that joke's not working. You know, let's, let's do it, you know, tw- tweak it here, tweak it there. They were, uh, they were lifting from Tim's act a lot, you know, um, j- just to punch up the humor and things like that. And Tim was like, I, I don't know about this. You know, you know, they're using a lot of my act and... Uh, you know, he, he hadn't quite figured out, uh, you know, the complications or non-complications that that meant. Right. And I just, I, I thought, oh, God, you know, it's, this is so much fun. God, if only I could do this show. I could do this role. But uh, I know they're bringing another guy, and I'm fine with that. And, you know, I'll have a little piece of tape that I can then right. show and say, hey, I was on a show and yada, yada, yada. And I didn't even have an agent at this point. 
See, that's what's amazing. I hear that a lot. People sit there and they, they a friend of mine, this guy, Patrick O'Sullivan, was on that show, The Neighbors. And he ended up on that show without without an agent, I think. Or he got a bunch of stuff. It's like, it's just, yeah. it's, sometimes people just get these shows without. And I didn't even go through the whole, uh, you know, rigmarole of going through network, you know, where you had to have all these network people sign off on you. So you, because you, I mean, you knew the, you knew the people except the casting director. They saw you. Yeah, they liked you. I was they just, said, you I didn't was go just through the audition, audition, audition. I didn't have to right. do that. So you're a pinch hitter. I was. You started off as a pinch hitter. Yeah. And then so you, you do. But the, I was ready. Right. You know, ten years earlier when I was doing SNL audition, I had no idea. Here, all of a sudden, I was ready to do whatever whatever they needed, and not and not take focus. You know that it wasn't about you know hey if I do this and I get a big laugh. You know, they'll notice me. No, they're not going to notice you. They're going to go, God, you know, uh, just cut that out. Right. Yeah, you know, we can just splice exactly. that out. And and so I was just in the moment doing the stuff and being funny. So so you got this and you're excited and you get to come back for one or two episodes. Yeah. Then what happened? I mean, it's just amazing. <laughs> it, it, it's, 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 it's turned well, out it great for you. Well, it was taking off, you know. Yeah, but it, was it like, must be for you. It must have been like, you know, you're going, God, this show is getting great ratings. I well, love no, doing this. We hadn't gotten ratings yet. Okay. Because we hadn't oh, premiered. Okay. But you're... but audiences were, because they were writing me a little bit more. They weren't, you know, they weren't, you know, giving me shows all about Al. It was still, I, I, there were few. there were a few more lines each week. And the audiences were ahead of us. They were ahead of Tim and I in our relationship in our own heads. Okay. They, you know, we would do something to each other or a look at each other that the audience would laugh before we realized the power of that. So you were, you were, but you were having a blast and you but for you, it must be like, oh my God, okay. It's like, it's like anything. You're probably like, it's like a vacation. You're probably going, oh my God, now this is going to be done. I'm, I'm getting paid, you know, um, something that I would, would have got spent six weeks doing theater. You know, I was right. getting paid the same amount in a week. And I'm so, like, wow, I'm putting that in the bank. You know, we're going to be fine. And then, so how do you? How does it go from being the pinch hitter? How do they finally pull you up to the plate? Uh, my recollection of this is we're about three or four shows in, and this, you know, if you actually look look at at the show, Tool Time is only on for like a minute, two minutes, three minutes, or whatever. But in people's minds, it's a huge part of the show. But out of twenty one minutes, it's maybe two minutes. Right. So we're we're doing the scene, and I I can't really remember what I should go back and look at this, but it was something about Tim saying, "Hey Al, do you think they call it molding because it's been in the refrigerator too long?" And that was the joke. That was a big joke, and you know, being the assistant, you know, and and helping him, I just let him have that laugh. I gave him that laugh. I you know, I didn't I didn't step on it. I didn't move it. I didn't move. I just looked at him. And my looking at him got another laugh. Okay. And I went, oh, that's kind of, you know, in my head, I'm going, oh, that's, that's nice. And then I had a throwaway line, you know, I don't think so, Tim. And that got a laugh. And it wasn't anything I was planning on or, you know, I knew this was going to happen. It just, it just did with this audience. And like later that day, you know, I'm walking down the hallway and Matt Williams, you know, walks by me and goes, hey, Rick, oh, you did yourself a favor there. And I go, thank you. <laughs> I have no what? idea. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, you know, in my mind, the writers are watching this, and it's the relationship is crystallizing in their head of who Tim and Al are. 
you know, way more than than Glenn, who was going to be Tim's assistant. Okay. All of a sudden, wow, here's a relationship that we now know how to write because they're watching the audience watch us and they're seeing that. And what happened for them was, okay, you know, we, you know, Steven's great, but I think we have, we have our assistant. So like that, just off, off of just one, which you thought was just a throwaway line, a total throwaway line. And you, and cause it was after the joke, but what's great about it was, as you said earlier, when you were younger, you probably wouldn't, you would have, not I, I, I might have tried to imbibe that with with more authority right. or, or or more something more than didn't need to be in that moment. So they tell is that time when they told you, hey, we want you on the show. Like a week later, they said, you know, I think we're going to bring you a contract. And and <laughs> you must have like, I mean, that's like amazing. I mean, because it, and it's good because you were they were you weren't sure you weren't sure you weren't sure. That's like the big. I mean, that's like a bigger payoff than going in and auditioning. You know, that's, that's like huge. And on top of that. A month earlier, we find out that, you know, we're pregnant. Okay. Tootie is pregnant. Which is perfect timing. I don't have a job. She doesn't have a job. We're we're managing an apartment building, you know, so we have free rent. But so now Home Improvement gives me a contract. Tootie's pregnant. And, and so life-changing events, right. huge things all happen at the same time. So this happens to you, and then the show premieres and gets great ratings. Through the roof. Okay. So you're sitting there. I mean, no one likes to sit there and go, okay, this is a sure thing. But you got to be thinking, okay, this this is going to run for a little bit. I, I didn't even know what a sure thing meant. Okay. Because you know, it's amazing how big how, how big Home Improvement was at one point. I used to wait tables in San Diego at Planet Hollywood. Jonathan Taylor Thomas came in like because he was to visit. In San Diego, you would have thought the Beatles were in a town because the line, I mean... <laughs> I mean, I went. I just went because I lived in the gas line. I yeah. just went back to the gas. That's a whole other world, though. That oh. that teen beat. Oh, it was amazing. You know, but you know, the, the line went around and around and around, and we're going. Wait a second, he's just a kid. <laughs> it's not like you know we have, they used to have big stars coming all the time, like Stallone, Willis. People would go for him. It was amazing. It's, I mean, the show hit so many people. Yeah, it did. So now for you, and and you're so you get this and after the first year, you're getting good ratings. Now, do they? When did they tell you? Okay, we're getting picked up another year. Uh, you know what? I, I I don't know if I was aware of of that at okay. that point. So I, you know that that didn't click in my mind as something. I I just I, maybe I just assumed that that obviously we're going to do the next year. So I don't think the pickup was something that spiked in my consciousness. Now for you, because the show is so watched and now it's changed but back then a lot of men in hollywood did not have beards now if you walk around hollywood every young kid has a beard yeah like, bigger I, than I didn't what... have a beard forever because i didn't think it was you know commercial or yeah, you well, know. what made you grow the beard and it seems like that course you had a beard know. you got that part i think i was just uh you know i'm not i don't have a lot of commercial auditions right now i'm i'm tired of shaving i think i'll just you know grow a beard see what that does and so but so you get the beard so now the show's a hit do you start getting recognized Yes. Okay. Now that's got to be changed because I mean it's weird. Because and the thing is, and it's not only recognized. You're on a top ten hit, and as I said, you have a beard, so it's not like people sit there and go, oh, "Is that that guy from that show?" They're going, "Oh yeah, he's got that. That's he, he's got the beard." I told you, honey. I told him it was him. What is? How does that? I mean, plus well, you at, and your at wife. At first, you out, don't feel worthy. Okay. Yeah. You, you know, it's like I'm just I'm not doing that much. 
I'm I'm having a great time. I don't have big lines or whatever like that. I'm just kind of there. But the multitudes, you know, when you do a show in Columbus, Ohio, and you go out to dinner and say, oh, yeah, we saw you in the play last week. You were really good. I go, thank you. You know, that's like one person. You do a TV show, it's it's like every other person is saying, oh, what, what a great show. Or are you that guy? And, you know, a few times I just didn't know how to deal with it. I go, no, I'm not that guy. I look like him, though. <laughs> but I, I, it must sometimes it must be because it was such a big show. It must be hard. I mean, you know, if people constantly come up, and it's not like people out here are, are aren't a pain in the butt. I mean, the people will come up. And be, I mean, they're yeah, there's some great ones. But people were nice to Al. Okay, he's a likable guy. The people that would come up to me were just you know really happy. People that came up to Tim wanted to be funny. Okay, you, you know they they felt this urge to be funny, and you know you got to remember. Well, you're a stand up. Most a lot of comedy is based in insult. So people are just coming up and insulting Tim, <laughs> trying to be funny, and it just, it's the weirdest, you know, kind of a thing. Now, after the first season, and then the second season, did you ever, in your mind, did you ever think that this show would have blow up to the magnitude? I mean, it was on what, nine or 10 years? Uh, eight years. So did you ever, I mean, when you sat, I mean, it's amazing just when you're sitting there, when you were just being the pinch hitter to sit there and go, I don't, I don't think you ever sat there and went, Oh, well, okay, okay, yeah. Oh, wait, uh, this is going to go on for eight years. No, you know, I did theater, and, and you kind of had a specific run. It was like a six-week run or a two-month run. Uh, if you did Broadway, it could go on uh, for a while. But, you know, I never thought of it in terms of being uh, uh, eight years. That, right. that just didn't compute in my mind. Well, it's funny because, you know, all you guys were different characters, like Pamela Anderson. I mean, she was popular then, but she, that... That saw made people recognize who she was. I mean, that must have been weird just seeing, you know, this girl you were working with, this young girl, and then all of a sudden she's on Baywatch. <laughs> You're like, wait a second. Well, Pam was, you know, she was from a small town that I knew. Okay. You know, because we used to boat. Uh, my my family had a boat and up in the San Juans um, in the Canadian, between Seattle and Vancouver. There's islands up there. And she was from a small town uh, called Ladysmith. And we used to dock there. Uh, but she was... You know, I knew that she had been a Playboy um, centerfold or whatever, but it, it she didn't come across that way. You know, she was kind of a girl next door, never wore a lot of makeup, uh, you know, beautiful skin. Just she was very pretty uh, without doing anything. It wasn't until we went off and did an event like outside the show. All of a sudden, all of this, you know, this makeup and, and whatever. It, it was a different persona for Pam in a way. You know, that was kind of interesting to see it was it was a huge difference in who I knew and and who was pre how she was presenting herself to the regular you know to everybody else what kind of events would you do um, you know there might be a Disney event where we'd go open something at, at Disneyland or it um, there might be a party or something like that the might have been the People's Choice Awards that first year okay now, were you were you in real life? Are you a handyman? Are you good at that stuff? I've gotten better because I'm saying I'm sure people did. People come up and just think that you're on that show because people do that. They, they think, oh, well, hey, hey, you know. Yeah. Uh, by the way, we're, um, we're doing my, our bathroom. Yeah, you know, did you get weird questions like that? Uh, yes, actually, you know, people. A lot of people just thought I was a, a lucky contractor. Okay. It's like, wow, what a great job that is for you. You know, they don't know you've been acting forever. You're trained. Yeah. It's like now oh, my dad was a builder. Okay. So you know, you... so I, I knew those people. 
I knew, I, you know, I knew how to be those people, that kind of quiet confidence, you know. And after seeing the show, my dad was like, you know, I, I never realized how good of an actor you are. Well, because he just was blown away by what? Well, no, because he's thinking of me at 12 years old, you know, not even be able to hammer a nail. <laughs> you know, I'm bending all the nails, you know, as I'm trying to help him on the weekend. <laughs> so the show is going on and... By season three or four, you you know you're coming back. So it must be great. And for you, it was a perfect time because, you know, your wife has, was pregnant when you first got the show. And you had, when you have job security, you don't have to worry. You must have just. That was the first time. And so, yeah, it must have That was have the been... first time in my adult life, you know, where all of a sudden there was job security. And I was like, oh, I don't have to immediately, you know, because when you're doing a play, you're looking for the next play. Right. You're, you're you know, our job is looking for work. Our vacation is work. In a, in a weird kind of a way. Yeah, it is so funny. It's you always, like, I do this for the show. I, I always have to look for guests. It's like if I go, even if I, I go away, right. it's like, well, I have to get guests, you know, and people think, oh, that must not be hard. But I go, well, no, it is because I thrive myself on getting good guests. I mean, and, and not that, I don't want to get right. someone who, if people are seeing like the guy from, you know, you from Home Improvement and John Polito and actors like this, and then I have some guy who's, you know, been in one commercial, they're going to go, what, what, what's wrong with you, Cooper? You know, what happened? And it, well, it's that weird. can still be interesting. Yeah, yeah, I know, but it's just, that was in the beginning. That was in the beginning of the show. <laughs> so you have you have job security. You must be loving it, and you, and you have the child now, so it must be just a great well, that's, time for you. You know, I'm, I'm, kind of realizing this now is is back when that was really hot I didn't pursue other things because I didn't want to be gone you know for bath time and and reading his reading a book or you know letting my wife have to you know carry the the uh, the brunt of, of bringing up the child I, I didn't want to go away and do theater I didn't want to go so I I kind of stayed close to home whereas that you know when you're doing the show is when you really you know as a the business end of it is when you try to make, you know, all those other contacts and do other things that show other sides of you. And I, I wasn't as, um, I, I went off and did a, a few things, but it wasn't something that I was focused on. You know, those other things were kind of like, yeah, honey, I'm, I'm only going off for two weeks to do this right. play up in Vancouver. I'll be right back. Yeah. You know, I felt very, um, you know, that was maybe one of the, the drawbacks of having these two things happen simultaneously. I mean, if it had happened 10 years earlier, we don't have kids. I'm all over the place. Right. I'm, I'm going to look for this. I'm going to look for that. I'm going to go off to London and do art, you know, uh, at the, on the West end or something. And now I'm thinking, nah, I, you know, I, I can stay home. I, I can afford to stay home right now. Well, now people were people giving you, you were getting endorsements too at the time, right? Yeah. Okay. Like were what were some of your endorsements? Were they totally based on your character <laughs> pretty much which is not bad it's great i mean i think my first big contract was with uh, wayne dalton garage doors okay and then wayne dalton stepped up and they were the first sponsors of my uh charity event up in seattle for for cancer research okay i started a golf event up up there you know right away well not right away but two years into the into that i was being you know invited to other people's events and i thought well you know i should do something you know, and my mom had passed uh, with cancer f a few years earlier. So I thought, you know what? The Fred Hutchinson and the Overlake Hospitals up in Seattle, I could do something for them. And, and that would be great. That would that would be giving back to the community. So I asked them as you know, and I was with Wayne Dolan for like seven years. It was a really good um, it was a good uh, contract. 
So when the show came to an end, were you sad or were you sitting there? I mean, it, was, or was I mean, I'm sure it's. Of course, it's sad because you've been working with those people, but it was like, okay, it's I need to do some other things now. I, you know, I was of the mind that wow, we could we could be Mash, we could be Frazier, we could go eleven years. You know, uh, why are we stopping at eight? That was one side of me. The other side of me was, you know, listening to Tim and going, yeah, you know, I, I want to be like Michael Jordan, go out on top. I'm going, well, you know, it's it's really it's not my decision. I'm not going to go in there and try to you know, persuade him right. that 500 people's jobs are depending on your decision here. I, I didn't feel that was my place. And so in a way I just came to terms with it because it, I wasn't going to change that. So I had to feel, you know, okay, you know, I'm not going to be depressed. I'm not going to get angry. I'm, this is, uh, let's see what the next stage of life is going to present. Well, I know you ended up hosting family feud. Yeah. A couple years later. Now, had you ever hosted before? No. Was that some, I mean, that was so weird. I mean, how did that? Because we have, we have about eight minutes. We have like seven minutes. That was left. that was how very that weird. Come, how did that come about? Well, um, I got a phone call like a couple of years before to be. Uh, they were they were going to do a pilot of to tell the truth. They were going to revive revive okay. to tell the truth, and they needed those panelists, you know, of of celebrity panelists. So they asked me if I wanted to do it. I go, yeah, that sounds kind of fun. So, you know, there I'm sitting next to Paula Poundstone and I can't even remember who else were, were with me. And I did the pilot and it got picked up and they called me and said, hey, we got picked up. Let's you want to do this? I go, no, I, I don't want to do it. I, I, I'm going to think of other things to do, but thank you very much. And a year later they called me and said, well, we have this um, hosting job available and i go wow hosting yeah. <laughs> uh, for what it's a family feud and once they said family feud it was like oh my god really because when i was in school we used to make fun of richard dawson <laughs> we would we would make fun of him you know because it was the show when when i was going you know we we just go yo richard dawson kiss kiss you know show me chicken necks you know we try to think of the most absurd things you know and go survey says it yeah and all that's going through my mind it's just really no i can't be a host i, I don't want to be a host so I say no, but then I get a call from my agent and he says, you know, Richard, you've done family TV, you've done family movies. This is just another family venue. This is, this could be very interesting to do. And I go, well, ah, yeah, you're right. You're right. You know, so I decided, you know what? It's improv comedy. This is how I'm looking at it. I'm going to host this. It's going to be improv company. And if I decide to do something, I'm going to do it. I'm happy. I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be, I'm going to be as good as I can and do it. And. I had a great time. It was, it was way more fun than I was expecting. And there's some of those families. I mean, you just must like go, wow. I mean, they, they get so enthusiastic. Yeah. But then you know when they go home, they're going, hey, get off the couch. You're getting me. Hey, I told you to get me this at the supermarket. You got the wrong cereal. Oh uh, well, you got to get very perky families. But, but what happened? You know, a couple of years into that, we had the NASCAR drivers on, and the NASCAR driver with their pit crews were the two, you know, the families, right. and. One of the questions comes up, because I don't look at the questions before. One of the questions comes up, parts of a chicken. <laughs> and it doesn't dawn on me, but, you know, the, you're going breast, you're going a leg, and uh, and the guy goes, chicken necks. I go, and it all of a sudden it flooded back to me. 
me and Kevin making fun of Richard Dawson, you know, show me chicken, you know, and I, I was like exploding inside and I wanted to stop the show and, and explain this. And I went, no, nah, I can't do that. It's like, you know, okay, Kev, this is for you. Show me chicken necks, you know, and it was up there. It was, you know, so it all came tumbling back to, you know, what I was doing 15 years before. We have to wrap up in a few minutes. Uh, what's going on now? I know you're going, what, you're going to Seattle for your tournament tomorrow? Or? I'm, I'm going up to Seattle for um, a tournament, uh, for the first tournament um, hosted by um, Russell Wilson. Okay. Who, you know, took Are the you Seattle Seahawks fan? Well, of course. I grew okay. up in Seattle. Hey, well, so a lot, of people, a lot of people you meet aren't even fans of their teams. They're like, oh, my God. Seattle's a, you know, they've got the University of Washington Huskies. Oh, yeah, you got, you got a great, great sports. Yeah, we've got good sports. But, I'm, yeah, I'm going up to that. I'm doing some theater again. You know, after 20 years, my son's now out of college and, and pursuing this business. And so I've, I've kind of allowed myself to do theater again, which is really scary. But are you enjoying it? I mean, I'm sure it's scary. I'm but it's... totally enjoying it, but I'm, I'm like freaked out in the rehearsal process of trying to memorize lines again after years of not using that muscle. And then actually getting up on and then delivering and then those lines it. and thinking, oh yeah. my god, because and we, it's great. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Now, what 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 any plays coming up in the area, or where are you performing at? Um, I just got back from Jacksonville. I did uh, Neil Simon for the first time. I hadn't never done a Neil Simon. I ought to be in pictures. I was uh, Pasadena Playhouse last Christmas for Aladdin, okay. uh, Panto, um, which turned out to be really great with Ben Vereen and a bunch of great actors. That was fun. I, I don't know. I'm just I'm I'm kind of doing a lot of other things now. You got it. it's good, and now you know you, you, it's you did the kid. You don't have to worry about the kids. You know, you sit there. Yeah. You, well, you, you still got to worry about. It. I mean, yeah, by I me, mean, but not like that. But, but the business is so different for him now. Now, are you glad he's following in, going following on your footsteps? I now I I, I have how, how my parents feel. Yeah, you know, it's like, oh God, I, I, is that going to even happen? And and because I know how tough this business is, I, I think the the best thing a young actor can have is ignorance. Is not realizing how hard the business is. Well, I, I yeah, I because you do stuff that you wouldn't, you know, think of doing, and it works or it doesn't work. But you're going to find that out. Right, and the thing is also for you being a second generation actor, he you got to laugh when you sit there and go, how easy it is to send your stuff to people now or, or get a reel like you can do it online but back in the day it's like yeah. you had to actually oh, mail yeah. it and it's like people oh, wouldn't even see he's it he's doing vines and oh, yeah, YouTube it's... stuff and, and it's uh, you can but it, it also you know with that power comes great responsibility right uh, you know the stuff that you put out there is going to be out there so right. you have to you have to be a very clever writer and you have to make stuff yeah because you don't you don't want bad stuff out there because no. you're right. It's with the internet, it will never disappear. No yeah. matter what it is, you can think you got rid of it, but someone <laughs> will sit there and go, "They'll hey, find it." I, I had this. There's a picture of this guy doing this awful act. Right. How can uh, so? How can people get in uh, touch with you? Do you do you do you social? Do you social media? I, I kind of. I'm I'm horrible at it. I I do Twitter. Okay. What's your but, Twitter handle? Um, uh, the Richard Karn. Okay. Uh, and I'm on Facebook, but I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm still kind of, you know, exploring it and, and like that. My son's very good at it. Good. He put up my Facebook and, and was me for the first six months. Okay. <laughs> which was interesting to go back and see how he would talk to people right. as me. He, he wasn't disrespectful. He was trying to be me. That's funny. And it was. It was very interesting. I, mean, I want to thank you for coming on. This was, uh, I enjoyed this today. I did, too. I thank was, you. I love, I love, I love. Just talking about the craft and stuff like that. So, people, yeah, follow him at uh, the Richard Karn. Also, follow me on Twitter at Cooper Talk. 
Also, if you want to go to my website, coopertalk.net, I have about 265 episodes up there. Also, you can go to iTunes or Stitcher Radio, type in one word. That's it, one word, Cooper Talk, and they'll come up. Uh, send me an email, Cooper at Indy 100. That's I-N-D-I-E 100.com. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, Facebook, you know, I have a Facebook fan page thing, but I never post on it. So I, <laughs> I, I did it, and it's like, you know, I just post on my show. They reprimand as, you now. Yeah, add me as a friend. Just send, find Steve Cooper. You'll see a guy in a hat with glasses. You'll know it's me. Also, uh, July 16th, I'm doing my third installment of Cooper Talk Live. Last week with Catherine Wilhoyt at Bob's Espresso went great. So put that when you're, uh, it's no, the 19th, Saturday, July 19th. I believe my guest will be Jordan Brady, the director of the movie I Am Comic. It's at Bob's Espresso in North Hollywood. So yeah, check it out. So as I said, follow me on Twitter. I'm at Cooper Talk. Remember, I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guests. Don't forget, drink your water, eat your vegetables, and take your vitamins. You have a wonderful weekend.